Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. My name is Owen O'Sullivan and today on the show it is Louise Bruton, music critic, journalist. She wrote a great piece on The Rogue Collective at the weekend titled The Best Nights Are Yet to Come, basically about what to look forward to once the whole coronavirus pandemic is over. So basically, Dua Lipa released her brilliant second album, Future Nostalgia, a couple of weeks ago. You might have heard me talking about it with Sarah Hederman last week on The Point of Everything when we looked back on our favourite albums of the first quarter of 2020. Yes, full quarter already in the books for the year. And Future Nostalgia left me wondering, has this elevated Dua Lipa into the upper echelons of pop's stratosphere? And I thought, who better to talk about this with than Louise Bruden, who knows everything there is to know about pop music. So I asked Louise maybe if she wanted to make a list of some of the best pop acts in the world right now, or maybe of all time, is Dua Lipa on that list yet? Is it too early to say? And not only did Louise make one list, she made five lists. So what you're going to hear is us going through those lists and chatting all things pop music. I love this episode. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, it was done over Skype, so apologies um, if the audio isn't amazing. She'll explain all about the lists as we go, but there's plenty to dig in. I suggest keeping a pen and paper beside you so you can make notes or maybe like Spotify open on your phone and make a playlist. Before we get into the list making, I started out by asking Louise about her great interview with Little Mix that ran in the Irish Times over the weekend. I requested to interview Jade from Little Mix because she, I think, Little Mix, I think, are kind of like a phenomenal band in a way that they have been together for almost like 10 years, but there's something not very showy about them. So even though they're like super pop stars, they still have this very much kind of everyday kind of woman vibe to them. And the reason that I picked Jade was because she goes to, she's like a huge supporter of the LGBT community, specifically like the trans community. And she will always go to like these trans marches, but do so like in a really non-showy, non look at me, look what look what amazing thing I'm doing. She's just there to actually show her, show her support. Um, and I think that they really use their platform in quite an amazing way. So I, when I had the opportunity to interview Little Mix, I picked Jade because I thought that it'd be interesting to speak to her about what it's like to make pop music during a pandemic. Um, and she was just really honest about it, just being just how hard it is and just how realistically difficult these times are. And what I liked about what she said was like, they are going to make pure pop music. And because I do think that that's what we kind of need now, because we're all missing fun and we're missing freedom and we're missing being with our friends and we're missing, you know, like touching and dancing and kissing people that we like. And I think that that's the music that's going to be born as a result of now instead of being quite dour and sad, because we need to hear about the things that we're missing, because this time next year, hopefully, that's what we're going to be celebrating. Like, Right now we're missing it, but like this time next year, it's hopefully going to be all of that. And we're just going to be kind of living in the moment and probably living in it more than we ever have been before. So I think pop music is going to really, it's going to go back to that like perfect glory time of pop music um, as a result of just being everyone being contained today. And it is weird to think about these huge pop stars who are being contained themselves like you mentioned it in that article that she's like doing some work and doing some social media stuff at her kitchen table and Dua Lipa is the same she released her album uh, Future Nostalgia last week and she's been like doing Instagram live stories from her kitchen table she's been doing um, the one of the late night TV 
uh, performances in the US, like with her band through the kitchen table, through various kitchen tables. So it's kind of weird to think of these huge stars who are like, you know, in the same kind of room as us. Yeah, and I really like the modesty that they're kind of putting into it as well, because like it's undeniable that we are like about to enter a massive global recession. And I think that there has to be kind of a sensitivity with that. So instead of maybe like you can go big with the music, but the fact is that we're all we're all about to step into this massive, even more unknown territory. So the fact that Dua Lipa can go on, I think it was James Corden's show, can just do this perfect pop performance through zoom it means that you don't have to go big budget it like you don't have to go like completely over the top if you have the talent and you have the product which is an amazing song you can just perform it on a video camera and that's still brilliant so i think it's kind of interesting that if you have the quality in the music you don't have to be going like over the top with the mass production which pop music sometimes can rely on the distra- the distraction of kind of bells and whistles um but like when it comes back to it just being a good song like that's all you need like it doesn't really matter about the rest of the spectacle would you think like about the future is this going to change things or are you just like I'm just going to enjoy it while it happens and we'll worry about the future when we get there oh I think it's so unavoidable to think about like what's how changed everything's going to be um like I don't know how it is going to be changed but I just I think that we're all probably going to be having some sort of PTSD <laughs> from all of it where like even when you're walking down the street and the fact that you flinch if someone's close to you like it's we're all yeah it's it's all going to be quite different um, but I think the way to to kind of get through that is just to stay focusing on the smaller things. So if if something is making you happy, like a song, just like focus on that. Don't be worrying about what you're doing in July. Just like like what's going on right now, like what's on your laptop, like what you're listening to on Spotify. And don't worry about if, you know, just don't think about what July is going to be like. Just think about today. And I think that that's I think that so if you have. Like if you are a musician and you have the power to release music, I think that's what you should be doing because it's better to have things now rather than pushing it to an unknown future. I think that that's that's sort of how I feel about things. And I'm really worried about all the movies that are just aren't coming out right now because I'm like, maybe we should just watch them now and just release them. Um, I'm just like, just release the gates and everything good out right now um, because we just don't know. We don't know what's ahead. So just enjoy what you can when you can. And just before we get into things, can you explain the whole villagers versus uh, Little Mix feud, which is like <laughs> one of the most unexpected uh, feuds uh, of recent times, I feel? Uh, feud is a strong word, I feel. <laughs> Connor, I think Connor hates Little Mix. No, <laughs> he did cover touch. Okay, so um, a game that a few of my friends have been playing is that any time a musician does a live stream on Instagram, we all comment play touch by Little Mix. So when we saw that Connor uh, from Villagers was doing was taking requests for covers, we were like, "This is it! This is our time to shine." Um, and a couple of us would be friendly with Connor anyway. So he's just like, "What's going on? Have you guys like have you teamed up, or is this? Are you bullying me?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no bullying is going on here." Um, so he, yeah, well, when he performed it, you could tell he was not totally happy with performing it. But like, you know, it's a nice song, and he and he did a lovely job. Um, but then to on Twitter, I think he was just like stirring up some friendly rivalry going in. Uh, little Mix will never be the Spice Girls. But that's just one man's opinion, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah he's really stirring some pots. I'm worried that he's going to become a bit of a pop troll or something. Uh, maybe he already is. Maybe that's his dream. <laughs> cool. Um, so I asked you 
Okay, so this idea came to me just because Dua Lipa released her uh, new album and you gave it five stars in the Irish Times and uh, it's been getting rave reviews all over the place. It's a brilliant album. Like instantly, it sounds like a big pop album in capital letters. So I was just wondering where she stands in the whole like, is she in the debate for like best pop stars of all time? Maybe that's too early. But I thought, who better to talk to than someone like you, a pop expert, a pop professor? And so you made out a couple of lists that we're going to go through uh, over the next little while. Yeah, I, I did tell you I have three lists, but I actually have five lists. Five <laughs> so, lists? Yeah, of all the solo pop gals. So I haven't included like pop groups in it because uh, they're just a different category altogether and they don't last as long as the solo acts do. Um, so that's what I've done. Um, but Dua Lipa, I think, is really interesting because she has sort of done what loads of pop acts have been trying to do for the last year few years and that is to get that really clear-cut pop sound and in one of my drafts of the review I kind of said it's like it's like these songs almost always existed because they just sound so right and I think that like there's certain songs that you can kind of say that about like Britney Spears's Baby One More Time is just iconic and you can't really imagine a pop sphere without that kind of song. And I think you can say the same with maybe um, Bad Romance by Lady Gaga and then maybe Love is a Hopeless Place by Rihanna. Just those songs that are just so instantly amazing that there's no, you don't need to take any time to get on board with them. You just accept them in their format. Like there's no question about them. And that's what I feel like Dua Lipa has done with this album because as soon as she released uh, the first two singles from it, which was Don't Start Now and Physical, you were just immediately like, yes, this is what pop music should sound like. And I think that proves how difficult it is to actually make a song because it's so rare that you kind of get that kind of perfect immediacy like that. So that's that's why I think she's really great right now and why this album is just amazing because it's just it just makes sense and it makes sense in a in just a really kind of lively and chaotic way. Yeah, and um the latest single that she released from the album Break My Heart, like in like brilliant disco track and I was listening to Lady Gaga this morning her new one and I j- just like contrasting them and it's like the Dua Lipa song is much better than the Lady Gaga song. Oh, you're trying to stir something now, aren't you? I'm, I'm kind of like, is is one on the way up and one is on the way down? So I'm not sure. But Lady Gaga, you know, I mean, she's got uh, Oscar nominations under her belt now. You know, she's she's focused on bigger things almost. Well, that might draw us to my first list, which is yes. the eternal uh, top pop female kind of idols who, even if you aren't totally on board with the music that they've been releasing in recent years, their stamp on like music is you just you can't remove it whatsoever. So I've got Beyonce top there, who just she will always be immaculate. Like she will always be just this iconic voice, this trendsetter. Um, and even she, she's kind of in this funny place where she is undeniably fantastic, but she her albums never really chart well. So you can never really call Beyonce a chart success because she rarely gets the number one spot, which is a weird thing, but we all idolize her. Like we all, I I think we've all watched her Coachella performance maybe once or twice. There's just something about her where she, she's the full package, but it's weird where the full package doesn't actually mean a number one hit. So like, but Beyonce is like, always there. I tentatively have Katy Perry there because I think her time is done. She had her run with her first two albums and just she hasn't been able to reach that kind of point again 
and I think there's kind of there's like a, probably like a fascinating study, more fascinating study into Katy Perry and what that is. Like, why do some acts just have a shelf life? Do some acts have a peak and then they can never reach that point again? Which I think probably is what it is because maybe every act has their time to be it, and then they they just can't maintain it. Like the, you can say that about any like any act in any genre. Maybe they all have their chance to be the best one for a certain amount of time, and then that's it. Like you can't really like. I can't even put, suggest someone who continues to outdo themselves because it's such a it's such a rare thing and it's such like a strange formula to try and break. I have Lady Gaga because Lady Gaga. It's this in like no particular order. But Lady Gaga, yeah. So she she is meant to be released. She was meant to be releasing her album Chromatica um, in April, but she's delayed the release of that until later in the year because of everything that's going on with Corona. Um, and again. She has not been performing chart-wise as brilliantly as she was with her maybe first three albums. But then again, she has won Oscars. And, you know, she still she still has a very fervent fan base who will make sure that her music does well. But to the very kind of like layman pop fan, they may think that Lady Gaga hasn't released music at all in like the past five years. So I think there's like a point where... Pop music is it is an attractive thing for everybody, for the casual pop fan. And then there reaches the point then when it's only the super fans that know what that pop act is up to, which kind of brings me to like Britney Spears, who is like my my pop act. She is like my number one. She's my number one pop star. I absolutely love her. I even though I don't think her music has been as good as it should have been in, in the last few years, but I'm like so aware of her movements. And I met, there's a podcast that I listen to called It's Britney Bitch if you love pop if you love Britney Spears it's a podcast for you but they they kind of said it perfectly when they said with Britney Spears past 2008 that's when everybody who wasn't a super Britney Spears fan just didn't realize that she was still releasing music but like she still was and they used the song Womanizer um that was like maybe the last song that non-Britney Spears fans know of if they know of it at all so there kind of comes this point where you're massive and then you retract just so the super fans know who you are and like, like you can probably like but you could say that about Madonna, you could say that about Janet Jackson, like they have all been releasing music continuously, but to the casual kind of maybe just like radio listener, they wouldn't have a clue that there's new music beyond kind of like 2003, 2005. So Britney is my number one gal forever and always. I, I worship at her altar. She, she, she is it for me. Have you seen her live? I, yes, <laughs> I've seen her live uh, numerous times. I think I've seen her live six times now. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen her live? No, no, I haven't. I, I just remember like one of the last times that I can remember hearing about her. She was doing like a, a, a residency at Las Vegas, wasn't she? Yeah. So she brought that residency on tour. So the last time I saw her was two years ago. So she that was the Peace of Me tour, which was a Vegas residency. And then she did a tour of the UK. She came to Dublin and she she would have done a few other European dates as well. The thing with Britney as well is that she is living under the most unusual circumstances where she's still she's under a conservatorship, which means that she has no financial control of her like millions and she's worth something like 63 million or something crazy like that. Um, so she has no control over a lot of elements of her life. Um, so there is the thing with Britney where you, as a pop fan, as a Britney fan, you just kind of want her to be happy. So you're quite content with her doing whatever it is. If it isn't music, that's perfectly fine because she has kind of been through the worst of it. And, you know, it's probably our fault that she has gone through the worst of it. So kind of like her, what you only see 
kind of snapshots into her life now through Instagram and that's kind of brilliant because she has always been a very weird kind of goofy person and then lately during the coronavirus she's really kind of like stepped up where um she did a video where she's like if anybody needs any money for food or needs money for diapers for their children um and then she shared that post which was all about redistributing the wealth so she's like a secret commie not so secret anymore um but she has kind of really stood up in that way where she kind of gets it she knows that you to help people you actually have to help them instead of singing like a cover of Imagine instead of doing these like really silly trivial things the way to help when you've got money is to give money to people who need it and that's what she's doing. And I think that that's, that's class. Like a lot of the bigger acts just can't do that because they have maybe a brand to worry about. But Britney is so far past that. She doesn't need to worry about her brand because she the worst things have been said about her. The worst things have happened to her. So she can just do whatever the hell she wants. And she's using that freedom to actually help other people, which I think is pretty class. Is that the end of your list? Is there more people on there? Well, I've got Taylor Swift. I've got Madonna, Mariah. Kylie Minogue, Janet Jackson, Rihanna, and Miley Cyrus. I think that they are the top tier, untouchable, will always be mentioned in conversations about great pop acts. Um, and each of them, they all have their own influence some way. Miley, kind of, Miley Cyrus just sort of makes that list because I think she's more of a pop culture icon than specifically a pop music icon. But yeah, I think... Janet Jackson, Queen, like the absolute Queen. And Rihanna, I think, has kind of carried that on as well. But Rihanna, I think, is like an amazing pop star because she, I think, is trolling her own fans uh, by not releasing music for so long because I think she's just like, whatever, I'm going to do what I want. And it's going to be, when I do release it, you're all going to be like floored that I had this in me still. I think that Rihanna is kind of like a game changer, but she's at that point of control in her career where she doesn't need to keep releasing an album every single year which is what she did for a while like there was a there was a period in time when it was just rihanna constantly in the charts album i think she released something like four albums in the space of three years which is like exhausting so she deserves a break yeah she's one who started out as like like proper pop r&b stuff back in like 2003 or four or something and then her last album came out a couple of years ago anti and uh it, it kind of went under the radar for a lot of people and then it was like two or three years later as in like the last two years where people were like actually this is a masterpiece and probably one of the best albums of the last five years it took everybody a couple of years to catch up with Rihanna yeah I remember I reviewed that album for what website I think I reviewed it for head stuff and I think I gave it four or five stars and the amount of my friends were like you're wrong that album is shit and um, now it's like kind of be- yeah has become sort of like this kind of cult slow burn of an album and everyone's like oh yeah no that was good we see what Rihanna was doing so I think Rihanna maybe was a little bit ahead of the curve with that kind of experimental pop indie sound um because like she was like uh sampling like tame and not even sampling she was full-on just doing a tame and pala song in a rihanna way and yeah she just i don't know i just think she's going to come back now with a whole new sound um on her ninth album and it's just going to reshake what the pop sound is going to be again so like that's the thing it kind of goes in cycles like one person will create a new sound everybody else tries to mimic that and then another one comes along and just shakes that up and it's just this constant turnover so like that's why that's why like Beyonce and Rihanna are just so important with that like they they they're the ones who push their own boundaries and then they push the rest of the boundaries of pop I'm thinking of someone who might be like on the outside of that list looking in like I'm going to make it onto the top 10 of uh, of this list. I was thinking Lana Del Rey. Oh, yeah. She is in my personal list. <laughs> She's ah. in my, per- my personal favorite list, uh, which is separate. <laughs> do you want to do that list now? 
Okay, so this is in no order, but my personal top gals who will never move from, from this top list are Brittany, obviously, Tova Lowe, Lana Del Rey, Janet Jackson, Kylie Minogue, Mariah Carey, Robin, Marina and the Diamonds, Grimes and Sky Ferreira. Oh, Sky Ferreira. Yeah, even though she just has one album, uh, she and she's been absolutely dragging out the release of what's meant to be her second album. It was meant to come like last year. She every now and again she puts up a post where she's where she's like hinting that the album might be around the corner. It never is. Um, but that debut album, uh, Nighttime My Time, I think is just amazing, and she is such a. Uh, I think that her sound is just so far removed from what you expect a pop sound to be like and she's so dark and it's so it's so real but it's just so catchy and it's also pure pop as well like I just think it's incredible she she kind of puts all of the darkness into these songs um but they have that kind of just like kind of gorgeous like melody and hook that kind of lift the darkness away from it but it's still like pretty it's a it's a lot to take on (laughs) and what list do you want to move on to next Okay, so the <laughs> somebody list. Uh, so this list is the list of pop gals who I think are it right now. So this is me. My personal kind of arguments are like left out of this. This is not. This is me with my critical eye. I was being a little bit lax with maybe like release dates because I have like Ariana Grande in there, and she is taking a break now, a very well deserved break. But I think that Ariana Grande is probably going to be one of the biggest names that we will remember in the history of pop music just because of what she's done in recent years um she is maybe more become more experimental in her sound like she won't go as a not to compare to Beyonce like directly but Beyonce will take more kind of unusual sounds from um she'll take kind of more a global soundscape and then make it kind of wrap it up with like hip-hop or trap and r&b whereas Ariana Grande is taking the more kind of a commercial approach to that. Um, So her music will always be chart ready. Like she will always have a hit because that's just her sound. But I think she's maybe um, one of the most experimental pop music acts uh, when it comes to making chart hits. The only other person I think who can rival that is Billie Eilish. So to me, she is the number one pop gal right now. There was no one like her before. And she just arrived and it's like that thing of like, she was just like this full package, but we didn't know that was what we were looking for. Like she's not dancing. She doesn't have like platinum blonde hair. Um, Her songs aren't about necessarily having the best night ever, but she has really kind of spoken to a generation um, and kind of even wider than that. She's really made people kind of sit up and take notice because just like her voice is, she has got this beautiful kind of jazzy voice that she then kind of mashes in with it's like it's a mash between pop music r&b and then like new metal somehow and she has just done all of that and she's like 18 years old and even i know her brother phineas is like the big producer that the two of them co-write together and he's made he's responsible for the sound but like if you were to remove all of that if you were to remove all of the big production like her voice alone is just so unusual it's so soft it's so quiet it completely draws you in um, and then she kind of let loose as well. But it's just that she kind of has that masterful skill, which I don't think she gets uh, enough credit for, where it's singing low and drawing the listener in. And it's, I just think that's really powerful. Like to have a great voice, you don't have to be reaching all the octaves the way Mariah Carey did. <laughs> uh, past tense. But um, Billie Eilish, I think she, 
I think she kind of has that sort of Amy Winehouse quality of she has this beautiful voice that can tell so many stories. And to have that power at the age of 18, I just think that that's incredible. Do you worry that like the pressure might tell or anything like that on Billie Eilish? Or do you think she'll just it'll be water off a duck's back? I'm kind of impressed with the way that she has been handling it now, to be honest. Like any interview I've read with her, she does she does seem like a kid completely like a kid like she's like an angsty teenager and you get that in interviews but her whole team is her family like her mom and dad uh, her mom is her manager I think her dad is like her tour manager and then her brother is her like co-writing partner so that's him that's that's her family unit and that's her main work team as well and it might be interesting to see what does happen because like famously people whose parents are like their managers in the pop world it doesn't end very well like um like Beyonce, her father would have been her manager for like her, her whole life, like since Destiny's Child, before Destiny's Child were like a thing, her father was the manager. And it was when she fired him as her manager, that's when she released uh, Beyonce, like she was surprised released that album Beyonce, where her sound went from chart ready music to incredibly experimental, critically acclaimed R&B music. So it was that it was that kind of push away from what was comfortable for her to then release her best music yet. Um, so it's kind of hard to know how long uh, family members can actually work together in that way where a parent is in the kind of managerial role. So I don't know, Billie Eilish, she's only on her first album. Um, but I kind of feel like I, like I hope that she kind of keeps, I hope that she keeps doing what it is that she's doing by being just unlike anybody else. Um, but like not letting I don't know, not letting outside trends or outside kind of opinions come in and affect what it is that she does. Cool. Um, is the rest of this list in a top 10 or is it or is it in order? It's not in order, no. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. So if Billie Eilish is number one, is Dua Lipa like number two right now? She is, yeah. She actually is, yeah. That's number two on my list. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, be Billie Eilish number one, Dua Lipa number two. I'll have Ariana Grande number three. She, I th- I just don't think, I think it'd be, it's easy to underestimate Ariana Grande, but what she, her last two albums, give them, just like revisit them, give them her full, at- the full attention. Because like lyrically, it's just so smart as well. And I think emotionally she is incredibly at- intelligent. I know she's got a team of massive songwriters uh, to do this, but they have managed to capture the roller coaster of a life that she has had in the space of a few years. And very unusual specific uh, experiences that she's gone through and they've managed to make that pain and that hurt a universal thing that we can all understand and all apply to us and they've done that with this pop R&B sheen and I just don't think that that's something that anyone can look their nose down on. Um, she's incredible in my eyes. After Ariana, I have Tovlo, who is also on my personal list, my favourite. Um, Tovlo, while she not be, may not be performing chart-wise as well as I think she deserves to be, she is also like the co-writer on so many big songs. So she's co-written a song on Dua Lipa's album. She's written songs for like Girls Aloud as well. So she's one of those people like Charlie XEX who, while they may not be successful as they deserve to be as individual pop acts, they are behind the scenes working with so many big names in the business that their influence and their style is kind of being attached to other acts as well. Is Charlie XCX on your list? She is on my list, yeah. <laughs> she's um I think she's amazing. And I kinda I she has kind of posted a few Instagram posts over the years where she gets frustrated that 
all the songs that she writes for other acts seem to do way better than anything that she releases herself. But I think that that's kind of amazing that she can, she can have that split where she can have the success and maybe not have that like destruction of fame that can come with it. Um, but yeah, no, Charlie, Charlie's amazing. And I think that cause she has, she's able to make the pop hits, but when she releases her own thing, it's this real club kid, uh, kind of filth and noise. And it's amazing. I just think that it's like such a celebration of messiness. And that's kind of what I love in a pop star as well. She released her, um, album at the end of 2019 and it's full of like all of the, all of the pop Queens, like, uh, Sky Forever, who you mentioned, Lizzo is on there as well, Haim and Christine and the Queens as well and uh yeah she's she's been around for so long and she is one of those acts who you're always waiting to reach the next level and she kind of gets there for a while but then it's like she falls back down again yeah like you know her bank account is like up there <laughs> <Yeah>. you know <laughs> because like, she's doing if, fine she financially she is absolutely <laughs> grand um but i i do think it's cool that uh, when she was supporting taylor swift um on her reputation tour she then sidelined, did her own club tour in a lot of the cities that they went to visit. So she'd go from playing these massive sold-out arenas, uh, supporting Taylor Swift. And then when that gig was over, she would then go to a club, which would be the size of like a room and just be performing to maybe 200 people, like who would all be kind of like taking their tops off, sweating loads, taking poppers. So it was just that like massive dynamic of like super stadium star to like a club kid. And I think that that's nice. I think that that's a sweet spot that you're able to do that. And her bank account is absolutely like lo- lo- loaded. So, you know, I would take that career over everybody else's. Uh, I was listening to uh, Kim Gordon, who was filling in for Iggy Pop on BBC Six Music on Friday night. And she dropped a Charlie XCX song, which I hadn't heard before. It's called Shake It, featuring uh, Big Freedia, Cupcake, Brooke Candy and someone else as well. And it was it's such a weird song. It was like, first of all, just the idea of uh, Kim Gordon, like listening and loving uh, Charlie XCX is great and playing her on something like Six Music, where she probably wouldn't usually get played. But that song is so like boundary pushing instantly I was like what is this track yeah it's actually probably one of the best things because I've seen Charlie XCX twice so once was supporting Taylor Swift um, and she was on at 6pm and she had to perform her hits which are all songs that she does not like to kind of a, an audience that's much younger than the one that she has the other time I saw her was at Glastonbury when she's playing like a 2pm slot and it was mostly like parents and their children and she's like let's get fucked up Glastonbury and we're like oh my god everyone is seven um so it's kind of like people want her to be radio one or whatever but she is actually she's not she's um she's she's like mtv2 but she's but she's got the kind of glossy pop sheen so it's like people want her to be one thing but she just like isn't and it's it's like a constant push and pull of what she should go but so I'm glad that like when she released her album um and like made songs like Shake It where she she's just going against the mold of what everyone keeps telling her to be and they're the they're the songs that end up being just like so much better than what she actually puts out there because like she wrote um she wrote Senorita the Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello song uh, which was like a massive song all of last year and that was like a number one hit and it's like arguably I don't like it I don't think it's a good song but like she could still do that and like get her money made and then yeah and then make shake it so it's I think that that's that's deadly like that's amazing and that's so that's so powerful and I don't think again like every every act I'm talking about I feel like they don't get enough credit for what it is that they actually do um but the fact is that she is like just one of the top pop producers and pop songwriters um and yeah she's she's kind of working both lanes and I think it's class is Camilla Cabello on your list no (laughs) 
I just don't really get her. People don't like but, her. Yeah, I, I just, well, I have I have her former Fifth Harmony member, Normani, on the list. So she released Motivation last year. And I think that that was just, that, that again, it's just that, like a very sweet slice of pop. And it's just so good. And you can tell that there is a lot of love and a lot of work put into that song. Um, but with a lot of Camille Cabello songs, I just don't really, I feel like there's maybe a paint by numbers thing going on. Um, we're kind of like, oh, this is the algorithm of pop music. These suckers will like this. So that's that's just that's. I I feel like maybe that's the good. That's the difference between a successful song and a good song, where like um, I'm gonna I might use like a. I was gonna. Can I bring? Can I, I might bring in like an Irish band that do this. Um, I think Picture This are a terrible band, and I think a lot of the time when they write pop music, it's because they're like, okay, this is the algorithm of how you make a pop song. I just don't think that there's any love put into it. I think it's like, okay, this is what will do well rather than isn't this amazing. So I think that that's, I think when you love pop music, you can tell what the difference is between those two things because yeah, you are, pop music can be seen as this like really silly thing, but when there's like love and like smarts put into a song, it'll always be so much better than what's just like ticking the trends of what does well right now. Okay. So you can, you can spot the algorithm from a mile away. Yeah. And I hate the fucking algorithm. <laughs> Um, who else are uh, the hottest acts in the world right now? Next on the list is Selena Gomez. I think that she is like massively underrated as a pop act, and but like every now and again she releases a single that just becomes like this massive like hit, um, like a kind of slow sleeper. Like when she released Bad Liar, um, which samples Talking Heads in it, like that was just such a weird song, and that should not do well traditionally it should not do well in the charts but she she kind of she has built around this like really impressive team of songwriters and producers around her who kind of maybe she does not have the strongest voice but she's got a very distinctive and unusual voice and they work her to her strengths and with that it goes with just picking very unusual against the grain pop stars and yeah I think she's kind of like a kind of as like a sleeper pop star where you could totally just not acknowledge her but once you do kind of like dive into her, her discography you realize that yeah she's she's so just so different and um yeah i i will always be team selena i think when it comes to to pop acts i love the album that she released at the start of the year rare i think it's a brilliant brilliant album but just because you mentioned you've mentioned it a couple of times kind of like the teams and the producers that pop stars work with do you kind of seek out that information or do you like keep track of like who's working with who uh, definitely because a lot of the so like Julia Michaels would be one of the songwriters that works with Selena Gomez a lot of the time she's a solar pop artist as well but again kind of like maybe like Charlie XEX she will never she hasn't been as successful as a singer herself as she has been with the music that she's made for everybody else so Julia Michaels has uh, done songs for like Britney Spears um, she's basically done everything with like um, with Selena Gomez and just she kind of has this like winning formula that just it's just great. And she's got it's kind of like um, the way Sia, when you know that Sia has written a song for someone else, it's the way that the, uh, the enunciation of words comes through. So Selena Gomez has maybe picked up the way that Julia Michaels enunciates and then has put that through into her music in the same way that um, Sia wrote Diamonds for Rihanna and Rihanna uh, just sang the way that Sia like sings in her songs as well. But I, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. It's that artistry that from an unusual songwriter can only pass on to the person who, like I, I don't want to use the word muse because there's 
like connotations with that. But there are some songwriters that just work a lot better with specific artists. And Selena Gomez is one of those people who she's kind of found her team. I think it's Justin Tranter is the other songwriter. So Julia Michaels and Justin Tranter are sort of like a, a dynamic songwriting duo. And anything that they put their hand to is just incredible. Um, they've actually written a song on the Dua Lipa album as well. And you wonder if maybe how many times that song has been shopped around because you know it's, it's just hard to know how these things work because you know we're not in the pop factory so we don't know if people just kind of go in and they're like okay open up the vaults what song will we pick today um or if songs are just kind of kind of sent around as much as possible and whoever places the first bid on it i don't know maybe that's probably not how it works at all um but yeah i would look kind of look for songwriters as well like tovlo as well um she would have written a lot of songs for hillary duff <laughs> uh so hillary duff uh, had an album out a while ago was it called Sparks or there was singles called Sparks but it was a really really good pop album but because it's Hilary Duff that will never cross over to the rest of the world because she she's one of those people that people just don't take seriously but she is in her own right she's actually a really great pop star and she's also a really great actress but I don't know people just can't shake the image of Hilary Duff being Lizzie McGuire and that's maybe why that just doesn't work so, you know, there's there's all of these different things, like <laughs> all of these elements getting in the way of um, preventing our pop stars from being as brilliant as they should be. <laughs> Next on my list is um, Victoria Monet. So she is a pop star, but she has written most of Ariana Grande's biggest hits in the last few years. So she is responsible for Ariana's kind of recent kind of like, like sound or that recent package. So she is one of those songwriters who you should definitely kind of keep an eye on and what they're doing, because if she doesn't become as successful as she should be, but her solo stuff is incredible. It's just really kind of like smooth and sensual, but also quite cool or and music. If her solo stuff doesn't do well, whoever she writes for that song is going to be brilliant. So that's kind of like the stamp of that's like the quality stamp that you need. And that's what Victoria Monet is. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of unfair that some people just, they have maybe all of the right ingredients, but whatever it is to make them, I suppose that's what makes pop stars such a fascinating thing because it's, you can't really pinpoint what it is that makes certain pop stars so successful because say with Britney Spears, you could go, she can't really sing though. Why is she as popular as she is? It's like, well, she's just got something and that's what it's that something. So that's why if there is an incredible songwriter who has a great voice, who has the look, but they just don't really kind of like catch the attention of the public that's that is the magic of pop you just it's, it's there's something that just sets certain people aside from everybody else and it's not necessarily down to looks it's not down to a voice it's not down to it's just a, it's accumulation of things and it's if people could figure that out then everybody would be a successful pop star like that's like that's the thing but yeah victoria Monet, i if you see her name pop up anywhere that like you know that it's going to be a fucking great song is that the end of the list? I have three more. So, oh, no, two more because we, talk, we talked about Charlie XTX. So next on my list is Carly Rae Jepsen and then Empress Love. They are my final two of right now. Oh, Empress Love, a bit out of uh, left wing. Yeah. Left so her new album, her third album came out um, like this week. And I just think it's great. I think it falls in line with, um, I think it's somewhere between Robin and Jada G. So Robin, she's on one of my five lists of just being untouchable, forever brilliant, completely does their own thing, um, goes against the grain of what is to be expected of a pop star. And I think that Empress Of is kind of in that kind of line with with Robin, where it's kind of pop music that's made for the club and it's so emotionally heavy. Um, but I think the interesting with Empress Of is it's so, 
I think her music, she is so focused on brilliant percussion and that really comes through in the music. So that's why I kind of have her with Jada G. It's that kind of, it's that really sophisticated clubbing sound that I think is watered down a lot with commercial pop. Like you might be like, oh, there's kind of house influences there or there's like techno or uh, drum and bass influences there. But you can rarely say that is a that is a song for a club. And I'm not talking like coppers. I'm like talking like a proper club like that we don't really have access to in, in Ireland ever. But just really experimental, really musically smart music as well as emotionally um, accessible. So that's what Empress of, I think, is to me. I have three names that I would think of when I think of, like, you know, hottest pop acts in the world right now that you didn't mention. I don't know, is Christine and the Queens, like, is she kind of something else other than pop? Yeah, I would put her, so my other list. (laughs) Oh, oh, great. I I love it. It's it's very, it's flowing so naturally. Isn't it, right? Um, So I would think Christine and the Queens would fall in line with Robin, Roisin Murphy and LaRue, where they are just so great as entities into themselves. And you might think that it's unfair that they don't get the recognition, but what they are doing is they are, they're kind of pioneers in their own right. Like, um, Roisin Murphy, I think is just like, she's our greatest export like ever, I think. (laughs) But like she, and she, I know she's quite frustrated about two years ago where she's just like, I am, putting my life, my blood, my sweat and tears into my music and I'm still not making ends meet. Um, But then she just like influences music in such a massive way and she doesn't, again, she just doesn't get that credit. But she, she again is like pushing boundaries, like she is a performer, she's like an artist. When you go to a Roisin Murphy show, like it's just not a performance. You're going to see like a full conceptual performance and that's the exact same thing that Christine and the Queens, which is it's art in a pop show and that's what she does with like it's the full package like you don't with Christine the Queens you don't just listen to her album you want to watch her music videos and if you have the chance you want to see her live because it's not just going to be kind of in and out it's like everything is a very um precise and thoughtful um kind of formula to make you know if it's a three minute song or if it's like a half hour long set like it's going to be perfect from start to finish so so that's the same like that's what like Robin Robin Roisin and Christine the Queens definitely is and it's what LaRue maybe was as well with her first two albums where they're just they're phenomenal she just I know she released an album last was it this year I think Uh, it was earlier this year yeah yeah it didn't do so well but like you can just it's like it's not a great album but you can completely ignore that because what she did with her first two albums it's amazing like that is that's it I feel like in a way she doesn't need to prove anything else I do want her to keep working obviously (laughs) but like I think there's some artists who are just what they've done in the time that they've done it is so brilliant that they've nothing left to prove and that's where I'd see like Robin, Roisin LaRue and Christine Queens. Yeah there was a good interview with LaRue in I think it was the English Independent and it just sounded like she's kind of conflicted about what she is right now and like what she should be and actually wants to be. I don't know is that kind of the algorithm that you're talking about you know that she's not you know oh I should be making this music but I want to make this music and the two are kind of fighting against each other or something yeah and I'd say that that's like a big problem that like a lot of pop stars have because it's kind of like okay well you did really well with this don't don't change that but that's the problem if you keep releasing the same thing then you're just going to like fade away like that's um it's kind of like what I was saying about Katy Perry how I just I think that that moment is gone with her because just she 
I don't know. There's there's something. I feel like she's in a box of of what it is that she can create, but she she can never really go away from that kind of like candy pop sound because that's what she did well. But I don't know. Just whenever she does try to change it up, it just never just doesn't feel drastically different enough for it to make much of an impact. And yeah, I kind of think that she's kind of like fading in a way. So that that's the fear. Like, do you really do you want to be do you want to go from being this like really iconic, like critically lauded um, icon? to fading away like I'd say that's that's maybe worse than a failure like to for people to forget you is probably worse than to release a bad album I don't know oh you feel so bad don't you yeah <laughs> just thinking about it like so so what list are we on now this is list four of five this this sounds like um people who are kind of like maybe second tier pop acts yeah or they're more maybe kind of like art house pop oh okay okay yeah so it's kind of like if you were to if you were to go to a music festival um actually there was one year I think at Longitude where Roisin Murphy was playing on the second biggest stage while the National were on the main stage and it's kind of like that's kind of it isn't it it's like the it's the dedicated fans are going to be there it's going to be a smaller audience but it doesn't mean that the show like a Roisin Murphy show will be better than a National show like I don't think there's any argument there but she will get a smaller crowd so Joe it's that thing I'm I'm desperate for a Roisin Murphy indoors gig, like ro- just Roisin Murphy in Ireland, because she played like a, I think it was like a gay festival in Manchester in November that a lot of people went over for, and it just sounded like it was amazing. And I'm like, where? When is this coming to Ireland? Yeah, I know we do kind of get like fobbed over a lot with them because like Christine the Queens is meant to play was it December this year or the year before, but then she had to cancel because she was sick. And then I just, I'm, I'm in my mind I'm a bit like, I feel like Christine and the Queens is never going to come back here. And it's a bit like, I think there, there's a similar thing with Florence and the Machine for a while, where she just didn't play Ireland for ages. And everyone's like, why? And, you know, sometimes you just miss these moments. So hopefully that's not the case. But like, who knows what's going to happen with the live music industry? <laughs> who else is on the art house list? Um, art, art house pop list. I have Grimes there as well. So she is a controversial figure. She is one of my favorites. I kind of had her on my personal favorite list and then just took her off the last moment. But Grimes, I think, um, like Art Angels, I think is a perfect album. And she would maybe, she would be what I would describe as pitchfork pop, where it's that thing of where people, like people who don't want to like her just can't resist what it is that she's made because it's just so... um, it's kind of like jarring, but gels. And I think that that's just like her sound. And I really liked um, her last album as well. Miss, um, I can't pronounce the album, Miss Anthropocene. Uh, <laughs> and I, th- I thought that was great because it was, it was a concept album and where she kind of played the goddess of, um, what was it? The goddess of like climate change. And it was just how we're killing the planet or killing ourselves somehow. And she stepped into these very strange characters but really, really went kind of like nuts with the, the sound that surrounded it. And I thought it, it, it was like a challenging album, but I just, I really admire just how, okay, she obviously has millions of money to be able to put into things because of her, her Elon Musk connections. Uh, but I think that she, she is just completely off the beaten track. She does not function in the normal world. So she can just create these sounds that are just so, so wrong that they actually end up being right. I think she suffers a little bit from kind of what Britney got. You know, people think uh, thought of Britney Spears just in terms of her personal life rather than the actual music. And I think that's happening with Grimes as well, is that people hear Grimes and they just think Elon Musk. Yeah, people want to hate her. And 
like I, I quite a lot of I, I actually do feel like she kind of gets a weird sort of misogyny as well towards her as well which Britney Spears would have experienced where people are like oh I hate all of her new stuff and it's kind of like why are you doing that when there's definitely there's worse villains that work in the music industry whose music just isn't good but like say it maybe kind of Kanye West you could kind of compare maybe the, compare those two where like people I don't know like he he's a bad man he makes good music but he also makes terrible music as well. Like it's just that thing of like, why, why are you gonna, why are you so more willing to get cancel Grimes because she goes out with a terrible man, but like give like Kanye West like uh, the free card all the time when you know he's he's got just as many misses as he's got hits. Yeah, I think it's kind of the ge- like a genius thing or something. People will, I don't know. I, I I think men are kind of called geniuses more than like women in pop music. You know, it's like you'll excuse them certain mistakes. Yeah, and kind of women have to prove themselves way more because like all of the acts that I've announced or that I've listed, they all do these massive shows and it's not just them singing, it's them dancing, it's them not just dancing but like learning proper like complicated choreography that they're on the same level as professional dancers and that's probably not what they signed up to originally to do but then if you go to like so who the biggest male pop acts at the moment are probably like the weekend bruno mars and like i don't know justin bieber drake always drake and justin bieber yeah and then it's like well okay harry styles harry styles i <laughs> he's a league of his own though isn't he uh, <laughs> but like the weekend his music is amazing i've never seen him live so i don't know what that is don't know if he dances but i like i don't know i just don't know if the same they will all put the same amount of work in in studio, but then when it comes to performing on stage, I think the women always have to push themselves a bit, maybe five times harder. And I just think that's so unfair. And I don't like it's like um, when people were comparing Beyonce at some awards show to what Ed Sheeran was wearing, where Beyonce looked like the queen that she is, and Ed Sheeran just showed up in like a pair of jeans, and everyone's like, you were giving out about for so many different reasons why why that was weird where some people are like oh it just proves that you know you don't need to wear that much makeup to be successful or like all these stupid arguments and it's like but that that's just it perfectly it's kind of like women don't think that they have to do more they have to do more like it's not even it's not even a there's no thought process for it because that the standard is women have to be glitzier and bigger and just everything whereas a guy can kind of walk in from whatever he was wearing that day I, I was actually wondering is there a female equivalent of uh like Lewis Capaldi Ed Sheeran like just someone who just stands there and plays guitar probably Adele okay okay I don't know but she's incredible but Adele and Lewis Capaldi there would be so many uh comparisons between the two where it's that kind of uh, you know nice middle of the road inoffensive music and then these massive personalities where like they are both so funny, and when you when you see them in interviews or they're on Twitter or whatever, you, their personalities do not match up to the music that they release, and that's that's kind of like interesting. Cause, like I saw um, Louis Capaldi was my last concert that I went to, and I and I was reviewing that, and it was one of those things where like his music doesn't like I genuinely think all of his songs sound the same. Like I could not sing you one Louis Capaldi song, even though I've seen him live and I had to listen to his album. But he just has this charm that like just draws you in, and it's just so unusual. So again, it's that thing of like, what is it that makes someone, 
you know, his music isn't great, but he is spectacular. And he's the, one of the biggest acts in the world right now. Yeah. Um, are we on to the final list? I've got four on my list. And this is four acts who I've loved everything that they've put out. They only have like one album each. And I really, really hope that the next album's um, kind of like maintained how brilliant they are. So Sky Ferrer, who I mentioned already. And then I've Nao or Nao or however you say it, N-A-O. Um, SZA and Tiana Taylor. She is a dancer and she's also a singer. You might know her as um, the dancer from Kanye West's video for Fate, where it's like, uh, she's like working, she's dancing in a gym and just has like this phenomenal body. But yeah, anyway, so she has one album. She's got one song on it that um, I really, really love and it's called WTP. It's like Work That Pussy. Um, And it is this sort of drag ball voguing anthem and it's so cool and her whole album is just like she works with like mickey blanco so it's that sort of it's that sort of noisy noisy r&b music but she's just got this powerful voice this really rich voice so that album was released in 2018 she has been releasing some songs since but i just really hope that like i want her to be it and i hope that she will be she will be as big as I, she, I hope her bigness matches how much I love her first album. And that's the same with um, SZA, like her album Control, I think is one of the best uh, pop R&B records that's been released in recent years. And the same with uh, Meow. <laughs> oh, she's already, she's on her second album, but she's like amazing as well. That kind of like neo soul R&B sound and just, this, just like a perfect package of, of like cool, cute, but also kind of edgy as well. And then, of course, Sky Ferreira. I just, yeah, I just love her. I just think that she she is like that kind of grungy pop icon that has been missing for a while. And I don't mean grungy in like an Avril Lavigne way. It's like grungy as in just like really, really gritty, has lived through the worst um, and will will put that into her music. And yeah, that, that they're all my gals. That's like my, I think I named like about 23 women there. <laughs> That's great. That's what I wanted, like an hour of uh, pop music <laughs> chat. So, uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I said earlier that there was kind of three acts who I kind of thought as as kind of maybe might be among the hot acts in the world right now. Like thinking just in terms of like music where, that's going to be influential or that we're going to be listening to the rest of the year. I think Doja Cat has been releasing oh, yeah. some really cool stuff and she's got a really cool image as well of like all of the stuff that she's put out. And I also think uh, Caroline Polachek. <gasps> Yeah. is really good too she's uh she released her debut album a couple of years ago she used to be in chairlift uh kind of very kind of uh indie pop 2006 type band and she went away for a couple of years and has come back with this new sound which kind of sounds like the future and there was a good article up um during the week i can't remember where it was but apparently the same person who kind of did the artwork for her album also did the artwork for uh dua lipa future nostalgia so it sounds like you know there's kind of an image that's kind of hot right now and uh they're two of the like most exciting acts in the world as well i love that caroline polchek as well whenever she she plays gigs she always she covers um breathless by the chorus have have you seen that so like that is that is nice thank you very much caroline for for looking to the chorus for inspiration because they are an inspiring group (laughs) (laughs) But Doja Cat, I think, is quite fascinating because she, like, that's that's the power of TikTok. Like, her music has found most of its success from being in TikTok videos. 
Um, so it's that kind of like whatever 15 minute or 15 second, 13 second long snippet that then makes its way into the charts. So I do wonder if a lot of the pop music, they're making it so that it can be sampled in TikTok videos because that that is a lot of songs are kind of re-entering the charts that may not have done as well. First time they released, but they've kind of found their their purpose in TikTok and now they're kind of coming back again. So yeah, Doja Cat, her Say So song is like the TikTok song and it's like in the like top 20 now, I think, in the Irish and UK charts. Is TikTok is like the new algorithm of pop music now, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Like who else is there? Uh, Little Mix, their song Wasabi, that's a big TikTok song. The Weekends, Blinding Lights, that's like a massive TikTok song. Like it's just, it's it's mad how that happens. It's kind of like what happens, what happens to popularity when you remove the charts? So it's kind of like when everyone in TikTok has the ability to create this like funny video or like impressive dance video to any song they want, what's the song they're going to go to? And then what's popular then on TikTok then eventually makes its way onto the charts. Because the chart setup is kind of fucked, I think. I don't think it's truly reflective of what people are listening to, especially when you have such a kind of like rabid fan culture of people like burst buying songs. Um, but now, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's upsetting the balance a little bit. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, on that slightly down note, <laughs> uh, let's, leave, let's leave it there. Uh, thanks a million for all of the uh, all of the recommendations as well. I'm going to go go and make a Spotify playlist, I think. Yeah, listen. Yeah, they're, they're all great women. All great. All great. No one will be disappointed. Cool. Thanks a lot, Louise. And uh, thanks for the chats. No problem. Talk soon.